0: Greetings and hello, fellow Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is the show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to talk about Worf, and the Star Trek TNG movie, First Contact. Because I think that First Contact is actually an apology to Worf. But before I get into all of that, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shyness pair of boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the Captain Archer maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. Lieutenant Commander Worf, and later Commander Worf, and later Ambassador Worf, and then also Commander again for some reason, but that's another issue. But Worf is a very popular character in Star Trek, as you no doubt know. He is a character who has been in more Star Trek than any other character in the franchise. Yet, for some reason, Worf, you know does get picked on in the series if you were to look at commander Worf and ask any trekkie what are the two big issues with wharf they would they would probably say Worf always gets beat up and Worf always gets denied by captain picard and those things are true Worf in a lot of episodes of tng is shown getting beaten up by aliens and other bad guys And the reason they did that for the show was because they wanted to show that, okay, the enemy or the alien or whatever it is of the week is super strong. So, yeah, naturally you have to take out the strongest guy on the ship, which is Worf. Also, Data's very strong, too, but Worf is kind of the default strong guy on the show, and so they have to show, well, see, if this person can take out Worf, then oh my gosh, what can this person do, and what kind of damage can they cause? So it makes sense from a thematic point of view in that you have to show that the threat that the enterprise crew is facing is pretty serious but by doing that all the time you run the risk of wharf seeming like he's really weak and just terrible at winning fights which is not good in the security officer which makes him look a little bit incompetent so that's a huge problem the other issue is that as i said is that Worf gets denied again and again by Captain Picard, and there's some great YouTube videos where they do supercuts of every time he gets denied, and it's funny. And a lot of the reasons he gets denied is because, well, he's a tactical officer, so he wants to act like a tactical officer. But Picard is more of a peace-loving person, and is more like, all right, let's just let's just calm down, let's see what the situation is, and then we'll 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 act accordingly. and Again, from a television perspective, it makes sense. They want Captain Picard to be someone who is peaceful and isn't quite like Kirk in the sense that he's not going to immediately punch someone in the face or immediately fire on a ship. When things get a little bit bad, he's going to try to see what the situation is and see if he can work it out peacefully. And that's great. And they also want to show that Picard is open to suggestions and that It's not like he has to ask for Worf's opinion for Worf to say, okay, here's what we should do, and then Picard denies him. No, he's open to anyone on the bridge, as long as you have a speaking part, of saying, hey, Captain Picard, can we do this thing? So naturally, because Picard is open to suggestions, Worf will always be seen saying, hey, Captain Picard, why don't we use phasers or do something aggressive? And then Picard will say, no, 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 we can't do that. But again, by having... (laughs) Worf always throwing out suggestions and getting denied by Picard. It makes him look like a bad officer, and it makes Picard look like a bad captain for always shutting him down. It's like a kid asking their parents, "'Can I go get ice cream?' And the parents were constantly saying, no, you can't get ice cream. Hey, mom and dad, can I go to the grocery store and buy this thing? No. Can I get a game? No, you can't. And it's just like, whoa, they really seem like bad parents because they're always denying their kids, even though the parents are being responsible. But if you were to only see that conversation, you would start to go, oh, geez, Louise, like what's going on there? So that's a little bit strange. And this was the big issue through all seven seasons of TNG. And... Sort of an issue in generations, although it's not quite that bad because there really wasn't anyone for Worf to fight, and he, you know, really didn't offer too many suggestions that got denied. He did try and fire at Soren and, and miss horribly, which is again a plot thing where it's like, okay, well, Worf has to miss the shot because then uh, then the plot can progress and Soren can get away and the movie can happen. Whereas if Worf was able to hit Soren, they would beam them back and the, the point of the movie would be over. There'd be nothing for the characters to do. So that was silly. So it made sense. But then here comes first contact. And I imagine that Jonathan Frakes and Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga all sat down and were talking about the movie. And we're like, hey, we got to help Worf out, okay? Worf has been humiliated for seven seasons. He can barely win any fights. He's always getting denied by Captain Picard. We got to make it right. So they write this whole movie. Again, maybe possibly with that in mind. I don't know if that's true. This is just all speculation. But it's definitely what happened on screen. And now the movie, I think, is a fantastic movie in general just because it has a lot of action. It has great character moments. It shows us why Star Trek is Star Trek and how Star Trek became Star Trek and how the world we know today became the world that we get to see in TNG. So it has a lot of great elements, but Worf, Worf is redeemed. And I hate to admit this, and I gotta say this out front, I didn't even think of this when I saw First Contact. And I've seen First Contact Oof, I don't even know if I want to give you a number to be honest. I don't even know what the number is but it's got to be in the hundreds by now because I will just listen to First Contact when I'm working I'll fall asleep to it sometimes I'll listen to it on a bus. I do that with all the with all the Star Trek movies so you know you can judge me and that's fine but I mean I'm a Trekkie and this is what I do so it's, it's a lot but never once have I really thought about what it did for Worf until recently when I was watching it with someone and she was pointing out that wow they really do redeem Wharf, and Wharf gets a lot of great stuff. And she was absolutely right, and I feel very embarrassed for not having thought about it. So just want to say this is not a completely original idea. This was sort of suggested to me by a comment from a friend, and I ran with it and want to talk about it. Okay, so let's get back to the movie. So in the movie, as we all know, this is the one where the Borg are back and the Enterprise-E makes its debut and they go and save the day. They destroy the Borg cube. Uh, They look really cool while they're doing it. They're badass. And then the Borg go back in time, try to assimilate Earth, and the Borg take over the Enterprise in that process. The first moment that I think really redeems Worf in First Contact is very early on in their fight against the Borg. So this is right after they realize that the Borg are on the ship and they all have their phaser rifles and they're walking around. They're looking badass and they're trying to get into engineering. And when that happens, the Borg start to react. And Worf has one of my favorite lines in the movie where he says, ready phasers! And he yells it. And in itself, that's a really cool line, like, ready phasers, that is hardcore, that is, that is action, you know, that is, stuff is about to happen, and things are about to get real. But right as he says, ready phasers, he sees a Borg right at him, and he just reacts in the most wharf way possible. He takes his phaser rifle, and just hits the Borg with it, almost like he has a sword, and using it like a sword, sort of, kind of, if that makes any sense, and the Borg can't respond, and he totally wins that fight. The dude just beat up a Borg with a phaser rifle, not using a phaser rifle like in terms of like actually using the phaser and turning it on. No, he just uses the body of a phaser rifle and slices him and pushes him back, and it is badass. And the rest of the movie happens. So right off the bat, when we basically first see the Borg, Worf takes a Borg out just by using his phaser rifle. Again, not firing it, but using it like a sword. So that, to me, is really cool. And we get multiple moments in the movie where he's beating up Borg that way. And later in the movie, there's this scene where Worf literally uses a sword. He uses a literal sword to take out a Borg that is about to attack him. And it's a really cool scene where they're on the deflector dish. They're all in their zero gravity spacesuit gear they're using their magnetic boots which honestly have a really impressive sound and i love the sound of them turning their boots on so it's a great scene overall but borg gets very close to him so what does he do he reacts by taking out his sword slicing the arm and then slicing the borg's neck and you can see the blood gushing out and it is epic and then you're like okay That's it. He won that fight. But then, adding to the stakes of the scene, the Borg's arm cuts a hole into his spacesuit, and you can hear the the computer voice saying decompression, and he's like, "Ah," like he's in pain. And so what does he do? He uses a core from the Borg's arm and wraps it around the hole and fixes it, and he's fine. The decompression has stopped, has all the area he needs, and everything is cool and that is like another badass wharf moment but then his big moment in terms of being a total badass is when they are able to release the deflector dish and he fires it destroys it and then says assimilate this and that is one of those lines that when you watch it with someone for the first time they're like well that's a cool line for me it's like all right i've heard it a million times because i've seen the movie a million times but it's one of those things where, like, that's a Worf moment. Like, that is definitely one of the top tier Worf quotes. So, that's a really impressive thing. A like this. It's a clever one liner, but it's like the total badass action. Like, yeah, I just did that. Yep, yeah, that was me. So, great overall, just really great moments of Worf being a badass and beating a Borg and not losing. He doesn't really, actually, ever get injured except for when the Borg's hand slices a a hole in the suit. But beyond that, no, he wins all the fights, and you know he's doing a good job, and he's not being thrown around like in every single episode of TNG. And so that's all great for like Worf being beat up. And and I should actually point out that they do again, address that issue in DS9 when there's a great DS9 episode where he beats up a bunch of Hadar, and that makes up for every fight that he's lost. But First Contact does a really spectacular job of redeeming Worf in that way. But then the other piece of the puzzle that I talked about was Worf getting denied again and again. And Worf generally doesn't make a lot of suggestions in the movie. He basically is just leading his team around and giving them orders but he's not really making active suggestions and again because he's not making these active suggestions Picard really isn't turning them down because there's nothing to reject except for like the third act of the film when Picard says to Worf and the rest of the security team like Worf we're not blowing up the ship you gotta go take on the Borg fight hand to hand if you can and I've made my decision so just carry out my orders because it's your job and I'm your boss. And then Worf says at one point, with, no, your actions are being impacted by your own experience with the Borg. And Picard says, no, carry out your duties. And then Worf continues. And then Bacard is like, you are a coward, which is like the most insulting thing you can say to Worf. You can say he's a bad parent. You might go, oh, yeah, you know, I haven't been a great parent. But as soon as you say you are a coward, it is like, no, you've crossed the line that you cannot undo cross that you can't walk away from is what I mean so you said it you can't take it back and Worf has one of the coolest lines incredibly terrifying when you think about it but he's like if you were any other man I would kill you where you stand and it was like whoa so you're telling me if O'Brien says to Worf hey Worf you're a coward would Worf just take out a sword again and kill (laughs) O'Brien If it was Sisko, would he do it? If it was Troy, would he do it? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that line, but it always read to me as like, oof, if it wasn't Picard and it was anybody else, he would instantly kill them, which is, again, a horrifying thought. Probably not literally what he means, but still a horrifying thought. But that's not the point. The point is that Worf stood up to Picard and said, hey, no, Picard, you need to listen to me right now, and you are being stupid and they're just like no you've crossed the line and i cannot forgive you for this and we will never ever be friends again and of course they are friends again because eventually lily is able to talk sense into picard and they have that great moment with the jean-luc blow up the damn ship no no you know all of that stuff which is great and then eventually he's like lily you're right you got this we need to blow up the ship absolutely right comes back onto the bridge and it's like everybody were blowing up the ship and you've got this great scene where all the characters are giving out their access codes and arming the the self-destruct sequence which is really well done uh great sound effects great line delivery just overall fantastic scene and i always say fantastic and i realize i say fantastic a lot in this podcast but great scene and then you know after they've done that and the sequence is armed he goes up to wharf and is like hey Worf, I regret some of the things I've said. And then Worf responds in the most Worf way possible and says, some. Like, really? You don't regret everything you've said? Because what you've just said was really hurtful. And then Picard is able to overcome that by saying, as a matter of fact, you are the bravest man I've ever known. Which, uh, again, I did an episode about Barkley. I actually think he's the bravest character in Star Trek, but I'm not going to argue with Picard in this scene. Picard did the right thing. He was able to apologize sort of and say to Worf, you know, you're the bravest person I've ever known which is amazing and it's it's him acknowledging that you were right, you called it, I should have listened to you and so it's the one time where Worf's suggestion was actually followed. And but the bigger thing is that Worf was able to stand up for himself and say, Hey Picard, I've been listening to you for all this time, and you're usually right, but no, you've crossed the line. You need to listen to me. And so I think it, it's it's the writer's way of saying, hey, Worf has been denied for so long. Let's have him call up Picard for that, and then let's have Picard apologize and follow Worf's suggestion once and for all, proving to the audience that Worf is a good officer and that Picard is a good leader and good captain because he's willing to listen to Worf. So I think overall, First Contact is a sort of apology to Worf. It's like Star Trek was like, hey, if Star Trek was a person, it's like, hey, I've been teasing you all this time, but now I'm finally going to make it up to you. Um, So I think that's a great thing about First Contact, but it isn't often talked about, and it's something that I completely missed and would not have caught that had it not been for my friend saying, hey, you need to uh, you need to think about this. So I think she's absolutely right, and I'm so glad that she pointed it out because now I have a newfound respect for Worf having rewatched First Contact for the millionth time. And with all of that, it is time to move into this week's edition of, wait, what did you say? And with this week, because I've spent the last 20 minutes talking about First Contact, it's only fair that I use dialogue from First Contact in this segment. So the scene that I want to use is from the first act of the movie because there's not really a lot of Technobabble in the film, I would say, not compared to other movies, but there is some Technobabble relating to time travel. And the scene that I'm referring to is right near the beginning after they've destroyed the Borg cube and they find themselves going back in time to Earth 2063. And this scene takes place between the entire bridge crew. And normally I would start off by saying each character, but because it's a longer scene, it it really is not conducive to me reading it. So I'll just read it through and you can fill it in later. Censure show chronometric particles emanating from the sphere. They're creating a temporal vortex. Time travel. Data. Report. We appear to be caught in a temporal wake. Captain. Earth, the atmosphere contains high concentrations of methane, carbon monoxide, and fluorine. Life signs, population approximately nine billion. All Borg. How? They must have done it in the past. They went back and assimilated Earth, changed history. Then, if they changed history, why are we still here? The temporal wake must have somehow protected us from the changes in the timeline. Sir, the vortex is collapsing. Hold your course, Mister Hulk. We must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. And so there are many things I love about this particular dialogue and I love about this scene. The first thing I love about this is Star Trek's usual way of saying something very complicated, but then putting in layman's terms. But they do it in stages. So the first thing is data saying chronometric particles. Now, if you know about chronometric particles because you're a hardcore fan, then you know that's often talking about time travel. But then Picard clarifies that to the viewers and says, they're creating a temporal vortex. So it's like talking to Trekkies that might not know chronometric particles. And they're saying, okay, Trekkies, what they're doing is they're creating a temporal vortex. And then we as Trekkies are like, ah, they're going back in time. But then Riker chimes in to the general audience and says, time travel. So that anyone who's not a fan of Star Trek is like, ah, they're going back in time. That makes perfect sense. So I, I like that aspect in the sense that you can see levels of of who they're speaking to. First, it's speaking to the super hardcore, like the chronometric particles. We get it because we're hardcore. Then it's speaking to Trekkies who are fans of Star Trek but don't know every single thing. Maybe. That's how I'm interpreting it. So they're like, oh, temporal. I get temporal. That's, that's uh, time stuff, right? Yeah. And then finally, it's like, all right. Now we understand that not everyone watching this movie is a huge fan because maybe they've been dragged here by a partner who's really hardcore into Star Trek. So we're going to explain to them that this is just simply time travel. So that works. I think it's really well done. And it's a very quick, like, three-second exchange of lines, which I think is uh great it's quick you don't really notice it but of course i notice it because i've watched it way too many times so i think yeah very effective and very well written and then outside of that the other stuff i love about this scene is that they are able to identify some major plot holes very quickly like picard basically sums up what they're doing like they're going back in time they're trying to assimilate earth and then the viewers might be thinking oh, wait, if they're running back in time, how come the crew's not affected? But then, but then before viewers can fully think about that, Crusher chimes in with how, can we, how come we're not being affected by the timeline? And then Data gives an explanation, which is as good as any explanation that you can have, which is, well, somehow the temporal wake protected us, and that's why we're still here. So just accept it. Don't think about it anymore. Just roll with it and accept it as fact. And it works because from that point on, you're like, all right, I I get why they're not being impacted by the timelines and why they are still in a Federation ship, even though the Federation is gone. So that makes sense. But then the final thing that I love about this scene is Picard's final line. Hold your course, Mr. Hawk. We must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. And I'm doing a really terrible, just absolutely appalling British accent as I read that line because I can't not say that line in a faux British accent because I've heard it so many times and I quote that way too much. If there's damage in anything, I will say repair whatever damage they've done for no reason. And I will usually throw in the Hold Your Course, Mr. Hawk, because it's Mr. Hawk. So I apologize for going on about the British accent. But just to explain, that's why I do the British accent when I read that line, because it's what I do. But just everything about that line, to me, is so iconic. Hold Your Course, okay, cool. I like the way he says it. But then then it gets even better with Mr. Hawk. Like, can you think of a character that has a cooler name than Mr. Hawk? Like... I don't know. Maybe I'm sure there's characters with cooler names than Mr. Hawk. But to me, that is just such a badass name. Like, you're Mr. Hawk? Yeah, you're, you're taking things. You're, you're dealing with stuff. I mean, the fact that Cisco played a guy named Hawk and he was badass just makes Mr. Hawk seem like one of the coolest dudes in Star Trek, even though he's only in the one movie. So, great stuff. But then the final line, we must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. the The way Patrick Stewart said it, the intensity is just all on point, and I love it. It's one of my favorite scenes when I watch the movie, just for that line. And as I said, I quote it all the time. Uh, so for me, it's like it's it's definitely one of the most quotable lines in First Contact, in my opinion. So when you take all that together, it's a really just great scene with either the usual technobabble. But it's done in such a way that it's explained to the audience very easily. It explains the plot of the movie for the most part, but they they don't know about the Phoenix at that point. But it explains a lot of what's happening, and then it also addresses concerns that the audience might be having, because they might be wondering, wait, if Earth has been assimilated, why is the crew still there? But then before you can really think about that, Crusher chimes in, asks the question, Data gives an answer, and it works. But then... The final thing is Picard's line at the very end, which I think is just so quotable, and one of my favorite Picard quotes in all of Star Trek. So when you package all those three things together, you get some great dialogue, great technobabble, and just an overall very well-written scene in my opinion. Of course, maybe you think this scene is a piece of garbage, and maybe you're not even a First Contact fan, which I would question why, because I'd be very curious to know, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, and that's totally fine, and we can all like different things, but still enjoy Star Trek. But, of course, that's just me being preachy, so please ignore all the preachiness, and... All I'll ask you is, well, what do you think? Do you agree with me that Wharf was redeemed at first contact? Or do you think I'm totally off base? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you liked about the episode, what you didn't like, because ultimately, my goal is to make a show that you enjoy listening to. And in the paraphrased words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there. that away.